For player profiles, in-depth features, and exclusive interviews, visit sfhandbook.com to learn more about the best young football players in the world. Hello and welcome back to the Scouted Football Podcast. England have won another youth international tournament, this time the under-19 Euros over in Slovakia. Um, It was about a week ago that the Young Lions were crowned champions of Europe for a joint record 11th time at this age group. And surprise, surprise, there were plenty of names concealed within that team that we're about to hear a great deal more about this coming domestic season. Um, Of course, earlier this summer, we had the under-17 Euros, where by and large, most players are relative unknowns to the vast majority of us watching. But at under-19 level, you start to recognise a few more names, a few more faces, uh, and scouted football's team of the tournament is packed with them, subs and all. Um, five English, five French, four Italian, two Israeli, and a sprinkling of Slovaks and Austrians make up our squad. Um, presiding over the tournament for scouted was none other than Lou Davies and Stephen Ganavas, as they did so well for the under-17 competition. I'm pleased to say yet again, we have Lou with us on the pod. Um, how are things this fine morning? Good, thank you. I'm I'm still reeling from the from the shock news in the UK today that uh, the big resignation the big resignation that Carlos Corbran has left uh, Huddersfield <laughs> Town. So, yeah, is it something about the vision not aligning with uh, the the implementation of policies? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, of course. I mean, that is that is the big news, of course. Nothing else on the on the agenda, um, politics, football, or otherwise. Um, but yeah, we're recording uh, roughly around a week after the the under nineteen Euros has, has finished, so we've had some some time to digest that tournament. Um, and yeah, Lou, you you kind of you led with the the, the putting together of the the team of the tournament, um, which is is essentially the framework which we're going to use for this this episode, similar to what we did for the under seventeen Euros one, which uh, many of you may have listened to. Um, I mean, in terms of the tournament as a whole, England obviously won. They they defeated Israel in in, in the final. Um, what what are your main sort of what do you what are your main sort of takeaways um, from from this tournament? Uh... It was a pretty fun tournament. I think, as you mentioned in the uh, in the intro, this is more of a tournament that you know a bit more more about the players. You know a bit more about the teams. I think with the under seventeen version, it's a lot of it is a complete unknown unless you're really into your youth football, unless you've watched the, some of the qualifiers. Uh, but in the under nineteens, the the players are a bit more established. Most of them have broken into first team football at senior level already, so there's a bit of uh, there's a bit of a sample size to go back on and have a look and see what sort of players they are. But uh, yeah, I, I think the tournament in general uh, is quite a compact one. It's only eight teams, eight nations compared to the uh, to the, compared to the under seventeen. So it's it it's over in like a couple of weeks. It goes straight into the semi final stage. But yeah, I think this version it was good to have it back. Fun tournament. France uh, probably the the underachievers to some extent, but they came up against a. Uh, a really surprising package in Israel that got all the way to the final. I think England on balance probably were the strongest team, the strongest squad definitely at the tournament. I think their strength in depth was a big feature of how they uh, progressed through the group stage uh, and how they ultimately uh, got the better of Italy and then Israel in the final. Yeah, I think that's probably fair to say, given that, you know, England didn't concede in the group stage and then only conceded once to Italy, you know, through a a Fabio Moretti penalty kick and then uh, to once to Israel in the final. So it's very hard to to disagree with that, considering that they were 
pretty prolific at the at the other end as well. Um, you were touching on there in terms of Israel being the the surprise package at this tournament, and um, two inclusions uh, for, for for them in the the team of the tournament. And in terms of sort of looking out for for them, you know, sometimes you have um, these competitions where you see a really really talented group, but then you never see that iteration of the team play together again. But the the good thing about the the under nineteen Euros is that the teams who finish well, the, the essentially the top four teams, the ones who go into the semifinals, uh, they qualify for uh, the 2023 uh, Under-20 World Cup. Um, so we'll be seeing Israel there, and, and I imagine a bulk of this Under-19 squad uh, will be playing for the, for the Under-20s at that tournament next year. So that's a you know that's something to look forward to, to look, look forward to see how they've developed over the, a year of club football and, and whether they can replicate you know this Under-19 performance on the world stage, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think with the uh, maybe with a couple of the of, of the Israeli guys that we've included, they might not even be at that level come next year. I think maybe they'll skip the step and go straight up to the senior squad. Uh, so that might clash with with the uh, with the senior schedules with the under twenty with the under twenty World Cup. But uh, yeah, I think that was another. Uh, it's another big aspect of this tournament that there's quite a lot riding on all the games, even maybe in some of the other tournaments you have a couple of dead rubbers at the end of the group stage but in this tournament uh, there's four teams that qualify for the semi-finals obviously they all qualify for the world cup and then you have a playoff spot as well which uh, Slovakia ended up winning beating Austria in the playoff but they only just got into the playoff with a a properly last minute winner against uh, Romania so yeah as you say there's uh, quite a lot riding on it and uh, yeah I think we probably will see the bulk of this Israel squad again at the World Cup but we'll come on to the players that we've included now. Yeah well I suppose it makes sense to, to start with the winners and, and the finalists and, and there's quite a few English players in this team of the tournament that, that you and Steve have, have selected um, and you know going out from the back you've got you've got Cox in goal, Doyle at, at centre-half left-sided and Harvey Vale um, who Chelsea fans will be very familiar with uh, on the left side Um but it's probably best to start with um, the the player of the tournament or or the, the scouted player of the tournament, um, and that's that's Carney Chukwameka. Um, you know, uh, uh, I mean, again, a player who has been discussed on this podcast before, someone who's done very well at under twenty three level with Aston Villa, but obviously will be under twenty one from this season going on, um, but has also broken through into the first team and and, and played. I think it's about a dozen games um, for for the senior team or a dozen Premier League appearances now. Um, so yeah, get very much a known quantity. Uh, in this this England team, but what was it about about Carney Chukwemeka that that was you know someone who who, who deservedly won player of the tournament for you? It was the tournament of Carney. Um, he was the the driving force in this England team. I think the thing that really stands out about him, and uh, I think you'll probably agree with him having watched him at under twenty three level over the past couple of seasons that he mixes style with substance. He's so smooth on the ball for a player of his size he's that typical six foot three lanky sort of midfielder but like his movements are just so fluid and and uh he just glides across the pitch he can he can go from third to third <clears throat> from uh, his own third defensive third up to the up to the up to the box with a few strides he just once he gets into stride he's so much fun to watch and uh that was a was a big feature of a tournament straight away from the off Against Austria, he was doing what he does in terms of the press resistance, just spinning out of pressure and driving up through space, up through the middle. Uh, teams couldn't handle him. They couldn't handle his size or his speed. 
uh, when he actually got into stride and uh, yeah once he got up to around the box he was he was he was impactful with with what he was able to do with little quick combinations he was a he was a goal threat uh he just his ability just to to, to disrupt and disturb defenses was was huge for England and that's probably what put him out uh, what stood him out amongst all the other players at the tournament I mean, yeah. Look, there's there's only one player at this tournament who scored more more goals than um. So that that's you know quite good going for for a midfielder and you know scoring big goals at big times. I think it's fair to say you know the the first that England um that scored at the, at the tournament against Austria, uh, that was that was Carney's goal, and then uh, there was one against Serbia as well, but that was in a in, in a four nil win. I think it was the third goal there, so um, not as important. But then. Pretty much the the most important of the lot was um, England's go ahead goal in the final. You know, had gone one nil down against Israel, uh, had pulled it back to one one, and it went to extra time and sort of just into the the um, the, the the second half of extra time, and, and you've got Carney coming up with the with the goods. And um, you know, it's it's uh, would you say it's something in terms of like mentality would, comes into his game? You know, being able to to think, you know, that I'm 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 better than these players. I'm going to drive through these defenses. I'm going to disrupt. Um, these these opposition structures, hundred percent. I think I think we saw it in the final where he when uh, England started to come on top in the in the at the end of the second half, and he really put the uh, put the game on his shoulders almost to try and find the goal. He hit the post a couple of times uh, at the end of regulation, uh, and yeah, it was a consistent theme throughout the tournament where Carney was the driving force. He was the he was the catalyst almost. Obviously, he still worked within within the team structure. He wasn't selfish with it or anything, but he just had that ability just to just to put the team on his shoulders a little bit and and try and be the difference maker. All right, okay. So, so we we'll have a look at some of the uh, the other English players in this team of the tournament. And as I mentioned, you had Harvey Vale, uh, Doyle, and and, uh, and Matthew Cox in there as well. Um, starting from from the back, I suppose we'll we'll go with goalkeeper, and it's it's obviously a very different position to to analyze. But what was it about? about Cox that, that sort of outlined him as, as, as the goalkeeper of the tournament, essentially? Uh, on balance, I think he probably was the standout goalkeeper. Um, I can't really think of anyone else that, that matched his uh, his performances in terms of presence, in terms of the ability to pull out an important save and an important moment. Uh, I think maybe Austria's Elias Scherf was maybe the other one that stood out for me, at least. But in terms of Matthew Cox, he was just so so composed throughout like he just kept his emotions in check at every at every, uh, at every moment you maybe see it with some of the uh, the the incumbent england goalkeepers now at senior level pickford and ramsdale they're a bit they're a bit mouthy they have that edge to them they're a bit shouty they're a bit aggressive but cox doesn't have that at all he's he's very level headed and that was pretty much key to how england played uh in terms of his shot-stopping ability, his ability to come out and claim some uh, crosses into the box, and then with his distribution as well. I suppose moving on to to, to centre half then, and and uh, Callum Doyle, you know, coming off the back of a, a full season, um, a, a promotion season with with Sunderland, um, he's been there, and you know, he's he's someone who I think in terms of senior experience. Probably one of the one of the players, certainly for for the, the elite nations at this tournament, with one of the players with the the, the most experience at, at club level, even if it is in the in the or was in the third tier. Um, you know, he's a he's a Manchester City player. Was only on loan at Sunderland, but you know, played on the on the left side of of the back three. And sometimes you hear you know the the back three tax, 
um, about how sometimes it can make average defenders look better than they are because they have the the player straddling them either side or they've got the they've got the support of two other central defenders to to bail them out. But I suppose that's not the case with Doyle because you know I, I think you, you'll agree in saying that you know his tournament was very clean cut and you know it's not just his defensive attributes um, that that you've picked him out for. Yeah, for sure. I think the uh, as you say, it's important to it's important to note that England did play with a back three, so that does that does uh, influence it somewhat. But I think we could have picked any of the three England centre backs that started regularly. I think Ronnie Edwards, Peter Bruce, Ronnie Edwards was the uh, was the central centre back. He had a good tournament. Uh, he came up with a couple of really clutch moments in the semi final and final to to uh, stop some key attacks that maybe would have flipped the tournament on its head. Uh, and then Gerald Kwanzaa was the was the right sided centre back for England. He could easily have been in this in this team as well. I was really impressed with him. We've watched him before at, at youth level. Uh he's like a very I don't want to say Rolls Royce centre back because that's just just wrong. But he is that sort of smooth mover. He has the uh once he gets into stride again, similar with Carney, he has the long levers just a just a gobble up space when he's stepping onto the ball as well. He reads the game well. Uh, but yeah, I think Callum Doyle, on balance, probably just picked the the other two that I've just mentioned. Um, yeah, I think clean cut is the is the word probably to describe it. He's he's quite aggressive in what he does, and the back three allowed him to be what he is in terms of that uh, ability to to press on to defenders, uh, press on to attackers. Uh, like he's very brave, he's very committed. He throws his head at the ball. Uh, he likes to step up onto the back of of strikers to pressure the touch. He can nick, uh, he can nip a leg in around just to just to disturb and disrupt what they do. And then uh, th- there was a couple of instances where he was probably doing it too much. He was probably uh, being a bit too aggressive into challenges, into duels, uh, not diving in, but just getting sucked into the ball a bit too far. But then he has that recovery speed again, just to just to turn on the afterburners a little bit and, and make up for his own mistake. Obviously, the help, back three help in that regard too. But then, uh, yeah, in terms of his on-ball ability, playing on the left side of that of that back three with Harvey Vale on the outside of him, Vale was basically a winger in, in, in attacking situations, obviously. So uh, Doyle had a bit more freedom to push up into the, into the opposition half and some of his ideas on the ball, while the execution maybe wasn't always there consistently, I think... You could see that he has the right ideas. He has the 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 raw technique and and vision to to be a uh, to be a uh, impactful player in terms of progressing the ball, in terms of picking nice angles into into some of England's attacking players like Vale, like uh, Alfie Devine, like Aaron Ramsey. Yeah, I think Doyle probably on the balance, probably England's best centre back, but we could have picked any of them. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I think that's reflected in in terms of the the notes that you you've got down here. And speaking of of them, you know, you you said that the the left back position was was quite difficult to pick for, um, and it's kind of a little bit of a cheat that you've gone with Harvey <laughs> Vale there, considering that he was he was a wing back. But I mean, I think I think Chelsea fans and and myself we're not going to argue too much about that because considering the importance that he has to this this England under 19s team and you also have Alex Scott for, of Bristol City on the bench you know he's been a he's been a breakout with them with them in the championship last season and you know he's expected to to build on last term um i'm i'm curious to know 
you 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 were discussing quite throughout the tournament that you know the the impact that someone like Jamie Bino Giddens was having, but is not selected in this scouted team of the tournament. Um, he's obviously the the England winger who's who's at, at Dortmund, um, and you know was was very very impactful as you say off off the bench. Um, but ju- I mean, just after you've sort of given us the, the lay of the land on on why Harvey Vale sort of you've you've shoehorned him in, I am also just curious on a personal level why why Jamie Bino Giddens hasn't hasn't made the squad. Yeah, so I'll start with Vale. I think he's the England captain. He was almost started every game. I think Carney was the only player that started every game for England, which sort of sums up the depth, but also sums up the uh, the influence Carney had on the team, his importance to the team. But Vale, yeah, he was the captain. Uh, came up with a massive moment right at the death in the final to uh, to assist that Carney goal to make it two one to England with a with a typically. Like an almost laser-like left foot cross from from deep and wide in the in the in the on the right hand side into Carney at the back post. But I think in terms of Vale, being that wing back, he has that engine to go up and down the flank constantly. I think again, he's another guy that we've watched in in the youth league. So we had we had a good idea of what he is as a player coming into the tournament. Yeah, uh, we picked him out in our ones to watch piece before the tournament, and uh, he it was a. It was a solid tournament. It wasn't a standout tournament. I think that the the, uh, the pool of left backs at this tournament wasn't great. Um, so that's why we've had to shoehorn Vale in. But yeah, his uh, his verticality uh, down the left was important for England. He was an outlet. Uh, his ability to be that hook in the final third as well. He's 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 a clever player. He has uh, a nice range of passing. To pick the like those nice little inside balls into the attackers, similar to what Doyle was doing, uh, and yeah, just his just his overall presence down the left was important for England, and uh, yeah, that's why he's in the team. In terms of Jamie Bino Gittens, then you know, what was the what was the thinking behind him not making not even not even the substitutes bench? Is it just simply a case of he didn't play enough minutes? Yeah, I I think that's probably what it is. Um, but that doesn't take away from what he did at the tournament. I think, as you say. Uh, he was a surprise inclusion. I don't think anyone saw it coming. He hasn't played at under nineteen level before. He's a he's a year younger than the rest of the team almost. I think Alfie Devine's another two thousand and four uh, player, but yeah, never played at this level before. So him coming into the tournament was a bit of a surprise. But you could see why they picked him. He just he is that difference maker. Um, he has that ability just to just to really frighten defenses with 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 his running. And the position that he played in this system uh, was was very conducive to being that disruptor. With England playing those two behind Scarlet, which were a bit more narrow than your traditional wingers, Bino Gittins was basically in those sort of half spaces. And once he got on the ball there, started turning and running defences, then they, most of the time they had to resort to to fouling him, I think. He came out against Italy in the in the semi final, and straight away he won. I think it was four fouls uh, in in about eighteen minutes. Three of the players are booked. Four fouls on Bino Gittins, so that sort of sums up the type of player he is. But yeah, th- this tournament was another was another milestone moment in his development in terms of he's just come off a, a really good under nineteen season at, at Borussia Dortmund. Uh, he won the Bundesliga there. He uh, he impressed in the youth league for a, for for a under nineteen team that they have at BVB, which is which is strong. Uh, and then towards the end of the 
towards the end of the season, he uh, stepped up to the senior team and, and, and started a couple of games for them. So uh, he will be one to watch this summer in terms of what uh, BFLB have planned for him. They've obviously got a new coach now in Edin Terzic. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what exactly they have planned. But I think he is a guy that can be impactful at a Bundesliga level right now. It's definitely a remember the name klaxon. I don't really want to introduce that as, a, <laughs> as something on this podcast, but um, it's definitely yeah with Jamie Bynor Gittens. It's uh, it's 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 flashing red at the moment. But um, in terms of the uh, the the other finalists, uh, and it's it's only fair that we discuss uh, Israel as as well um, because they were, I mean, essentially the the revelation of the tournament in a in a team sense, but also the the revelation of the tournament for, from a player's perspective. Uh, you've you've selected one of the Israel players as well. Well, and we'll get on to him afterwards because he plays a little bit more advanced than the defensive midfielder in this team of the tournament, which you've picked as Eli Madmoon. And just reading through the notes that you've got down here, Blue, I can see exactly why he's made your team of the tournament. Because <laughs> one of the sentences starts with, if you're familiar with Nicholas Dorsch, and now if anybody has followed scouting football over the past couple of years, you will know that Lou is a huge fan of Nicholas Dorsch. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm quite curious to find out what what uh, what Mad Moon is all about, a, a 2003 from Hapoel Beersheva. Um, because again, like many people who will have watched this tournament, um, not, I was not aware of the, 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 the faces and names that were in this Israel team. And lo and behold, they're making, uh, they're making scouted football's team of the tournament. Yeah, I think the Niklas Dorsch comparison in this, in this instance is actually a really good one. I think if, if you actually watch Mad Moon, he is Dorsch incarnate in 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 a lot of ways. Uh, he's that sort of compact uh, defensive midfielder, which he doesn't have the size to really cover the massive spaces. But he, that that sort of he has that tenacity, like Dorsch, just to be really uh, dogged in in defensive duels. But he also has that that nous about him to to fill the right spaces at times. And then once he gets on the ball, he's he's just that up tempo passer that can just ping the ping the ball through through the through the lines. Uh, he can he has that nice switch of play out to the wide areas from 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 deep central spaces. And uh, yeah, I think Mad Moon. I think the other player in this team that we'll come on to in a bit sums up this Israel team. But Mad Moon does as well. He personifies the team in terms of his his tenacity, his energy, uh, his his bravery on the ball. Uh, he was he was key to how Israel not only stopped attacks but started to build their own attacks. How started to um to to break out in in counter attacking situations. Mad Moon was key in terms of how he could be that little bit of a uh, of a of a conduit on the ball in terms of his composure to play through the press and stuff. And uh, yeah, I think we should also mention his uh, his partner in the double pivot. Was uh, yeah, uh, Eliam Kanchapolsky, who also had a had had a solid tournament, but I think Mad Moon maybe was to stand out in 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 that in that double pivot, and he again he was the captain, so he was the leader of the team. Uh, he isn't quite an unknown. I had heard about him coming into the tournament. He he'd just come off a a big season in the second division in Israel, start uh, as a starter, so he wasn't a complete unknown. But yeah, I think one of my favourites from the tournament, uh, yeah, just because he is quite similar to Dorsch. But yeah, he is that relentless sort of competitive, uh, bulldog-like defensive midfielder that has quality on the ball as well. 
sorry, I'm going to have to call rank here because just because you know players in Israel's second division, that doesn't make, <laughs> that doesn't make them not an unknown. Right? There's no way I would be amazed and I would love it if someone tweeted the account and said that they followed Israel's second division who's listening <laughs> to the podcast. But I, I, I wait for that day to come. I've um, never actually watched it, to be fair. I, I, I only... I, like I, I was only aware of the name, so right, okay, okay. That's that's a mitigating circumstance. That's yeah, they're, they're in the mitigating circumstances, but but no, um, yeah. For the rest of us, um, <laughs> Mad Moon, it, the, it was the first time of coming across him. But I suppose we 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 shouldn't um we shouldn't tiptoe around uh, the the revelation of the tournament any longer. Um, and I mean, this player is someone who, if I mean, I, I didn't get to watch all of the games. I didn't get to watch many of them. Um, but consistently i could see the name oscar gluck um uh, coming up when i had sort of had notifications on on my phone and stuff and it was you know i, I was quite surprised that some of the score lines i was seeing from israel's perspective um i'm led to believe that he had quite an influence on this israel team and 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 subsequently on the tournament with his with his three goals yeah so similar to how mad moon sort of personif- personified the team in, in deeper areas gluck was the personification of this israel team in attack uh he has those really quick feet which uh which immediately catch your eye he's quite small quite not diminutive but he is quite small he's quite uh very agile quick feet uh and in terms of his influence on on israel he was that he was that playmaker in the final third uh to be fair a lot of the israel team a lot of the the attackers anyway they're, they're quite similar in profile they're they're small they're quick they're energetic they uh they break with speed and precision but Gluck was was the was the key player to to a lot of what they did in attack. For all the ability that he had in terms of his his ball control, uh, his vision was a standout. He could see passes that that a lot of other players couldn't, and he could also pick the passes as well. He couldn't just see them. He was executing some really nice through balls around the corner. He was he was playing those those killer passes that really started to energize attacks and. I think maybe that is the the best way to describe him. He's sort of that attack developer almost. So if he gets on the ball, he can he can make something happen. He he has that ability just to turn on the spot and drive at defenses. He he can find those quick combinations into the box. He has that really clever element to his game in terms of the touches he takes and the spaces that he can that he can attack straight off the bat when once he receives the ball and it all came to a a pretty big crescendo in the final when he scored a what I described as an outrageous goal. It and maybe it wasn't an outrageous goal in terms of the overall just uh just the overall impact of it. We're not but talking about a, Pat Yam Kasami for Fulham against Palace many years ago. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. It's yeah, it's not that sort of level. But in for the way that it summed up his tournament summed up his skill set as well like he the way he steps across the defense with by just letting the ball run past him he has the quick feet there and he finds the finish on his weakened left side and that goal did give Israel a deserved lead in the first half they were by far the better team compared to England they were probably a bit unlucky not to be 2-0 up but uh yeah Gluck big revelation of the tournament uh again I had an idea about him coming into the tournament he he's coming off a uh a little bit of a breakthrough at Maccabi Tel Aviv in the first division, so I I I had read that he was the he was the big hope of this Israel group, and he lived up to the expectations. 
Just a, a little brief segue there. You got me thinking about sort of goal of the tournament. That's not something we usually do on here, but I suppose we probably should, considering that they're youth international tournaments and whoever scores them will be in that scouted bracket. Just, I'm putting you on the spot here, but if is there any goal which is specifically coming to mind as, as goal of the tournament? I've got one in mind, but I don't know whether that's because, I don't know, I know that he's someone that we haven't discussed yet in this team of the tournament uh, episode and um, I kind of like to to maybe segue into that after this. Uh, okay, <laughs> if you're looking for the segue, I think one of my favourite goals was was Alan Virginius. Yes. <laughs> Go on. In, in the semi final against against Israel. Am I th- he, am uh, I thinking it's the the one where she bends into the the top corner? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. When he, yeah against Israel when when France was struggling to find a breakthrough and then Virginius. Uh, cuts in onto his onto his right foot off the left, which is something that we'll come onto in a bit, and he just plants for in the in in the far corner to to give France a bit of a lifeline, which they can really grab hold of. But uh, yeah, if you want to segue into Virginia's, yeah, we can do. We'll go from from top to bottom now. I mean, there's five Fr- uh, French players, but I think if you're looking at sort of, I mean, everybody wants to know about attackers. I want to know about attackers. Um, Alan Virginius is someone we've discussed on this pod before as well. I mean, the the episode on on Sochaux. Uh, with Alex Stewart, uh, we touched on him towards the end as sort of a, a player to, to keep an eye out for. Um, and, you know, he's been doing well in, in Ligue 1 uh, with Sochaux. And uh, I mean, it's a great, great development league. Um, but to, to put him against his peers, um, it was great to see him make that that team in the tournament for, for you, Lou. Yeah, 100%. I think you know as well that Virginius is one of my favourite players. I've written about him. Uh, a couple of times now for Scotty Football. I've written about him in the handbook. And uh, yeah, I think this was a breakout tournament for him. Uh, three goals and three assists was was meant that that was a breakout tournament anyway. One of the best performers at the tournament. But I think the really big thing to take away from this tournament was that we saw him as a left-sided attacker. Whereas with Sosho, he's a right-footed right winger, which sort of limits his game. We don't really see much of him uh much of his skill set anyway in terms of what other stuff he can do apart from his really clever off ball movement and uh some of his crossing and and, and shooting in the final third but being uh, being played on the left largely he did play on the right a little bit in this tournament but most of the time he was off the left and it just unlocked so many different aspects of his skill set I think one of the one of the big takeaways was that he is a he is a very clever passer. When he's cutting in onto his stronger right foot, he has the the vision and the touch to find those little slip passes into the box, into runners around him. Uh, that was something that we hardly seen at Sosho because the angles just aren't there for him. And I think coming on to angles again, it just playing off the off the left, cutting onto his right, just opens up so many more natural angles for what he can do. He isn't the best ball striker off the right-hand side in terms of the technique. It's a different technique when he's cutting in from the right on his right foot. But when he's on the left, as we saw a couple of times with with a few of his goals, he just the the angles are much more natural for the way that he he wants to strike the ball with his instep. We saw it in that in that in that semi-final against Israel with the goal. I think against Slovakia, he scored a really a really good goal, a really well-taken goal with a uh, first, first-time finish from, I don't know, probably about 18, yard, 18 yards from the goal cutting in that planted into the top corner as well. Uh, so, yeah, I, this was 
a big tournament for Virginius. He hasn't really had the breakout season that I expected him to have at Sochaux last season. So this is this is that breakout, and uh, a lot of clubs will be after him. I think Newcastle have already been linked. God knows how how uh, how true those links are. But uh, yeah, I think Virginius really good tournament and a lot of talent there that can that can be extracted extracted from him. Please let the rumours be true. Please, <laughs> you're Alan on one side and Alan on the other side. Uh, what a what a duo that would be. Um, no, I th- I agree with you there, and and I I don't want to bastardize the product that is the the scouted football podcast, but I feel like I should have some sort of like siren to just press repeatedly, <laughs> just be like analysis because that was. Yeah, that's that's pretty much summed up every conversation that you've ever had with us about Alan Virginius. And I'm just delighted that he's had that, that breakout tournament. As you say, three goals and three assists. Um, it's going to be pretty hard for him not to make the team the tournament. Um, and if we're going back to pure stats, um, then the, the top scorer at the tournament, again, another French player, uh, is somebody who probably had to make the team of the, of the tournament. Um, and that's Loom Chona, uh, who, again, is a very, very difficult name. I'm not entirely sure if I've pronounced that correctly, but um, it's just a mishmash of vowels in the middle of his surname. So apologies to any French people who are who are listening and and you know just completely castigating my pronunciation. But um, four goals, play, um, top scorer at this tournament, uh, and and playing alongside Virginius in this uh, this four one two one two scouted football team in the tournament. Yeah, so he's another Stad Rene boy. Uh, oh, we like Stad. them. We do like them. <laughs> We do, we do. They had quite a big footprint on the under-17 team with uh, Matisse Tell and Desiree Doué and uh, Joel Belosian. Uh, their footprint wasn't quite as big in this one. They had Chona and uh, Andy Juf in uh, midfield who who looked like another promising uh, little player. Well, he wasn't little, he was quite big actually. But uh, yeah, Chona. He, he played like a sort of, a, a weird sort of hybrid role where he did a bit of everything. Uh, France mixed and matched uh, their attacking lineup a little bit. Virginius was was basically never present in in a lot of the big games, uh, as was Chona. But they did play that sort of split striker system at times with Chona on the right hand side. And yeah, I, I'm not I'm not massively high on him, but he does have he does have a skill set which is suited to senior football. I think already he's a very mature athlete. He's 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 quite big strong quick uh he had that ability to be a threat in 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 bigger spaces in terms of his ball carrying and then in smaller spaces as well he had the he had the touch he had that little bit of guile around the box to find some combinations he was a quite an explosive dribbler he could shift the ball onto either foot to to either cross or shoot he scored a really good goal against i think it was italy where he just blasted it from an acute angle into the into the roof of the net and uh, yeah, it as I say in as we said in the uh, in the Patreon piece on the on the team of the tournament, it's it's difficult to leave the top scorer out. So uh, that's why Chonu is it. Uh, Chonu's in, uh, basically. Yeah, I should mention uh, anybody who wants to to, to read um, the insights of of Stephen and, and Lou over the, the course of the tournament um, to to get over to the Scouted Football Patreon. Um, you'll see links to it on on our on our Twitter account um, because there are some good write ups there from from each of the match days. Um, and uh, in in the notes here, Lou, you said obviously that Jonah. Um, he was someone who who stood out in in match day three in particular. Um, there's one more 
uh, French player in the uh, in the lineup here. Um, uh, that is the right back Pereira, and also the two on the substitutes bench, Toure and Varela. Um, what was it about uh, what, about those three which kind of allowed you to to to, to select them and and not have not have Steve trying to campaign for yet more Italian <laughs> players in this in this uh, in this eleven and and subs bench? I think Pereira was Brian Pereira was the standout right back at the tournament. There wasn't anyone better than him. I think maybe Brook Norton Cuffey had a. He had a good start to the tournament that he tailed off pretty badly towards the end with the, a couple of of poor performances where maybe the game got a bit on top of him a little bit and and uh, teams targeted targeted him. Uh, but yeah, Pereira, uh, similar to Sile Combedi, who you will know as the as the two goal scoring uh, right back from the from the final of the under seventeen Euro. He was he was the standout at that at, at that competition. And uh, Pereira similar here, fairly similar sk- skill sets in terms of their verticality and athleticism. Combedi uh, obviously is a bit more underdeveloped than than Pereira. Pereira is already very solid. Uh, he's a strong runner, uh, and that verticality and that strong running was a was a big uh, outlet for France from the off against Slovakia. He set up, I think it was the first goal of the tournament uh, with with his ability to just to beat a player with the ball at his feet down the wing and then just find the cross. Uh, yeah, he was just, he was that outlet again, similar to Combedi. Uh But even going backwards uh, in defensive tr- transitions, he used his speed well just to, just to cover off some of the, from some of the quicker counter attacks uh, when France were, were pinned up in, pinned up in the final third. And uh, yeah, just that elusive dribbler as well, which was he has that sort of knock and run ability, just to just to plant it around one side and run around the other and pick up the ball on the other side. Um, yeah, he was a constant outlet. And the thing with Pereira is that uh, he hasn't really surfaced in senior football yet, which is it's not unusual. But it most of the players at this tournament have have played some sort of senior football already. But Pereira hasn't. He's at he's at Lons, uh, which obviously have have a who have a um, an important right back in uh, Jonathan Klaus. So if if Klaus moves on this summer, as is perhaps expected, Pereira will be one to watch as a, as an in club replacement, and he has the skill set to be to be impactful in Liga and straight away. I think. So I was looking at on on this team the tournament graphic B Pereira, and I thought. I'm fairly sure he's called Brian, but then in my head I was like, I'm not 100% sure because I might be thinking of um, the former Lazio um, forward Brian Perea, which is a very similar <laughs> name, the Colombian. Um, so yeah, I'm, I've I've had to Google that to make sure that I wasn't going crazy. But yes, Brian Pereira, um, yeah, a standout at, at right back in that that tournament. Um, and I touched on Steve campaigning for Italian players, and this is this is a, a disclaimer. We don't have Steve on this pod, unfortunately, so we're not going to be able to go into as much depth on the the Italian players. Um, but I'm fairly sure if we didn't mention Fabio Moretti, who only makes the uh, substitutes bench uh, here, uh, if we didn't mention him, then I'm fairly sure he would be ordering us to self-flagellate within the hour um, because. <laughs> 
Uh, he absolutely adores Miretti, and as a as a result of that, he's probably one of the the few Italian players that I was aware of going into this tournament. Um, Lou, you say you say that you obviously watched a little bit of of Miretti, and you're, you're familiar with him uh, to an extent. Um, how come he's making the, uh, the the subs bench compared to the likes of um, Casade, who's who's in that starting eleven, or, or Coppola? I think it's because he didn't play enough minutes. He obviously missed the first game because he was suspended. So straight away he was on the back foot in terms of his inclusion in this in this team in the tournament. If if had Italy reached the final and he performed well there, he probably would have been in the starting lineup. But we probably had to had to pick a few others above him just based on they had a bit more of a sample size. But um yeah, I think Moretti is really, really, really good. Uh the first five words in our in our roundup of the team in the tournament by Stevie, obviously is uh, Fabio Moretti is a genius. So that sort of sums up. Absolutely classic. I saw, <laughs> yeah. I saw a bit earlier where um, he was describing, I think it was Casade, that he clamped Brooknote and Cuffey um, in <laughs> uh, in one of the games. Um, so I knew straight away that that was quite literally written by Steve and no, nobody else. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, Fabio Moretti, we only made the subs bench. But just to make people feel as though then they are still getting their money's worth. The other Italian players, uh, another substitute uh, striker, Giuseppe Ambrosino uh, at 2003 uh, with Napoli. Uh, and then the two players I've just alluded to in the, the starting 11 um, was um, Cesare uh, Casadei, um, who plays for Inter, another 2003. Uh, or it might be Cesare. Uh, again, pronunciation maybe let me down there. <laughs> and also Hellas Verona's Diego Coppola, uh, right centre half, uh, another 2003 born. Um, it's probably best to finish on uh, a few of the the more obscure picks, um, and uh, there's only two of them actually, considering that we've we've covered pretty much every other country that's been represented in this team of the tournament. Um, we've got uh, both of them on the bench. Uh, one of them, I, mean, I think people will be very familiar with, but in particular if you're a, of a Barcelona persuasion, um, and one who people will be very unfamiliar with. Uh, we've got Dominic Holly uh, at Trenchin, uh, Slovakian. Um, he uh, plays as, as a defensive midfielder, another 2003 born. Um, a, a very big runner, has got a very good engine on him. Um, high energy, box to box. Um, and yeah, described as as a pest in this uh, in in this team of the tournament, uh, and then Yusuf Demir of of Austria, who is obviously at um, at Rapid Vienne, um, but was 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 on loan at Barcelona. Was it this season? I think it was. Um, yeah. Earlier this year, um, and he's another who made the bench. And again, it just reminds you how young he he was to make that that temporary move, um, and and very high profile that he's still. You know, able to to represent his country at under nineteen level, but I mean, what what were your your takeaways from from those two uh, players and, and their their tournaments? Uh, so Dominic Harley was a complete unknown to me. He he just broken into the into the trenching team at the end of last season, uh, so he came into this with a bit of momentum, and uh, he probably did run more than any other player at the tournament in terms of the games played. Uh, pest is a good word to describe him it's the word i used in 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 the roundup but he was that sort of really highly energetic high intensity uh shuttler between both boxes that sort of just gave that slovakia that sort of chaos factor which they thrived on in certain situations uh he 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 made the game a bit messy uh which allowed slovakia to to break out and 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 try and hurt teams with a bit of chaos, with that sort of frantic, almost erratic sort of style. 
and uh yeah he he'll be what he'll be an interesting one to watch next season now if he's if he is starting to break into the trenching team i think they have i think it is the the youngest team in 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 slovakian football so that'll be one to watch and then uh just coming back on to yusuf demir it is probably quite a big shock to quite a few people that he is playing at this level after the start of the season that he had at at barcelona by all by all uh, standards he impressed in pre-season for for, for barca uh and obviously the way that deal broke down is sort of indicative of of Barcelona as a club i think they didn't want to pay the the clause that they had in his contract when he played a certain amount of games so they had to send him back to to rapid vienna and uh in the second half of the season there back in austria he didn't really find his feet uh maybe because he lacked a bit of motivation which would have been which would have been understandable considering what he he'd been through that in that season but yeah, he was the playmaker for Austria. Uh, just the way he plays, it just reminds me so much of Messi. Obviously, th- the levels are, are stratospherically different, but he has that sort of really those a left footer off the right hand side nominally, but he pops he pops into little pockets of spaces. He drops all the way down to the centre backs to to pick up the ball, and once he starts running, he's very difficult to stop. He has those really quick feet. Especially the left le- left foot, we um, the ball just sticks to his foot like glue, and he could just just weave his way through bodies, and uh, yeah, he was Austria sort of almost disappointed on on across the whole tournament. I I expected a bit more out with them, but Demir was was the pick of the bunch, and yeah, a good tournament for him, and hopefully he can build on it now next season back at Rapid, and uh, really start to show his talent off again. Well, that is uh, the scouted football under-19 Euros team of the tournament roundup. Uh, 18 names there, some that you may be familiar with, some which may be completely new. Um, some who play in Israel's second division. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of, um, there's a lot of talent in that group. Uh, and if you want a, a more detailed or, 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 you know, just something to read, a, a write-up on that, um, then do head on over to this, the scouted Patreon for more, um, because no doubt you'll be hearing a lot more about those players in in the coming season and, and the coming years, definitely. Um, again, a reminder that the teams who, who made it to the semi-finals, as well as Slovakia, who, who made it to the playoff um, were victorious in that, uh, will be at the Under-20 World Cup next summer. That is being staged in Indonesia next summer between the 20th of May and the 11th of June. There'll be 24 teams there. The first Under-20 World Cup since 2019, which was a great tournament. Uh, I'm, I'm look, really looking forward to, to catching um, some of those games, um, provided they're at, a, at an appropriate time for us in the UK. <laughs> but um, yeah, this has been uh, the Scouted Football Podcast uh, and the uh, the lowdown on the under-19 Euros. Thank you very, very much once again to Lou for his for his insight and and uh, for his analysis. There's that klaxon again um, uh, on, on all of these players. Um, you know, the, the work that goes into watching these games and, and analysing the individuals who, who end up starring is... Um, is is no small task. So, uh, yeah, we're very very thankful for, for your expertise. You're very welcome. I've uh, I've enjoyed it again, but um, I'm a little bit gutted that I didn't that I didn't uh, bring up Alex Scott of Bristol City. He was a he was a favourite of mine. But we can uh, gloss over that. And if you want to read more about him, sign up to our Patreon because we've got some uh, nice roundups on there, which uh, a couple of them go into depth on on Scott and others. So, yeah, thanks for having me. 
just teasing it there, just teasing it a little bit, <laughs> just saying you know it's the, the good stuff's on the Patreon. You know. um, no, thank you very much for uh, for, for joining us uh, and for listening to this Garrett Football Podcast. Um, I've been Joe Donahue, and this has been the Under 19 Euros Roundup. Stay safe, take care. Bye for now. For player profiles, in-depth features and exclusive interviews, visit sfhandbook.com to learn more about the best young football players in the world.